Jesus. We try to speak about Jesus as much as possible, but we're going to extra be speaking about Jesus over our Christmas season because it is the season when we remember the birth of Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've thought about this very often, but someone said to me during the week, what would you want for Christmas if you could have absolutely anything? Have you thought about that? I mean, if, if there was no restriction on costs, uh, on convenience, if you could have anything you want, what would you ask for for Christmas? And you know, I had to think about that a little while, and I realized that I, I had come a little way because, you know, if you'd asked me that in my 20s, you know, I would have... I would have asked for a super-duper incredible holiday in Mauritius. Um, I already had the best husband in the world, so I wouldn't have been able to ask for that. But, you know, I would have, I would have asked for, like, uh, you know, beautiful clothes, an unlimited bank account. I probably would have asked this. I would have, uh, would have asked for, you know, just as many wishes as I could ever think of. You know, I would have just turned the whole thing around. So, so if I, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of the way my mind thought in my 20s. I know we've got 20-year-olds here. You probably think much more redeemed than that. But nonetheless, let me tell you where I was. And I, you know, when I think about it now, I, I have to be honest with you. I would ask for a revival in South Africa. I would ask for the glory of God to be manifested in every place. I would ask for him to visit your homes. I would ask for him to visit this nation of South Africa. I would ask that every man, woman, and child would hear the glorious news of Jesus Christ. I would ask that there would be an outpouring of his spirit so that when people were walking down the road, they would suddenly fall on their knees and say, Jesus is Lord. How do I find him? You know, if I had to ask for it now, I'd say, God, come and manifest the fullness of your kingdom. Lord God, I ask that in every time we meet, people would be healed, delivered, saved. I would ask for that. I would ask for the promises of his kingdom to be manifested here and now in our mm-hmm. nation, in real time.
from chapter 2, so if you've got your Bibles, you can head over there. But the interesting thing about Luke is that when he wrote his gospel, he was deeply concerned about the fact that the kingdom of God didn't look like the kingdom of this world. And so from start to finish, he highlights how upside down the kingdom is. You can go back one slide. Thank you, who's there on that. He would highlight how upside down the kingdom is. In other words, that uh, that the weak and the lowly and the uninformed and the, the, the least of society are the ones that Jesus went to first. That, that throughout it, he, he highlighted how the, the humble were the powerful, how the servants were the leaders, and how everything was turned around, how the, the widow with her two mice was actually the most generous in the kingdom. And he highlighted all the way through his gospel how this kingdom of God was so unlike the world's kingdom. It was an upside-down kingdom where the things you didn't think would be the powerful things ended up being the powerful things. And as we go into Christmas and we think about the fact that God changed the world by sending a baby. Yeah, that's so great. That God changed the world by sending a baby. Think about that for a moment. I mean, if you were going to rescue some people, if you had family members that were abducted in another nation, would you send a baby? You know, if if you had to like do a business rescue on a company, would you send a baby?
everything. You've changed everything. Because God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. God's kingdom is a new way of doing things. When Jesus preached the message, behold, the kingdom of God is here. What he meant is that a new reality has come, a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things, that everything is different. So let's pick up this beautiful story. I'm going to be talking about choosing the unlikely and changing the outcome. And I want to pick up the story in Luke 2 from verse 8. It's a very well-known proclamation of Jesus' birth. You've heard it very often. You've sung the song, Half the Herald Angels Sing. comes right out of the scripture. And it starts like this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which was just as they had been told. When Jesus was about to put his foot on this earth, the glory and the majesty of God was coming to take over everything. When God was coming to do the greatest rescue operation that has ever been known, he sent his angels to proclaim what was about to happen. And they went to shepherds. This, is, this really blows my mind. And it makes me feel really excited about the fact that maybe I could be useful to the Lord. I mean, I want you to think about this. I mean, they were out on the hills, outside Bethlehem, in the middle of the night. Just think about that for a moment. Who wants that job? I mean, night shift, day shift, I've got one hand at the back there. Okay, you can be a shepherd. Night shift, day shift, morning shift. I mean, you've got these lambs who, who apparently aren't that smart. You've just got to look off. You've got to make sure they don't run away. You've got to make sure wolves don't get them. You, you're, you're out in the fields just Fending for yourself. No one wants to be a shepherd. This job was given to the, the people who, who really couldn't make it anyway. They hired it out to people that, you know, because they just didn't want to do it. I'm trying to think of an equivalent job today, but you know, once our sewers were blocked at home, and we, we certainly hired someone to do that. To get rid of that. You know, this is, um, maybe it's not quite that bad, but this was that kind of job. That when you, when you needed it done, you thought, gosh, 
don't let anyone I know, let me go far afield to find someone to come and do this. So here these shepherds are out in the field. And picture this for a moment. Suddenly this, this bright white appears and there's this magnificent being standing in front of you and he's pro proclaiming good news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Of peace on earth to all men on whom God's favor rests. I mean, for a moment, just think about what that means. And then I ask you this question. If you were going to launch a rescue operation, would you send a baby, first question? Second thing, would you announce it to shepherds? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if that man was clearing out our sewers and our block drains, which happened a little while ago. If he had come to me and said, I saw an angel in your garden and he said great things are going to happen to you, you know, I, I would have been a bit skeptical. So maybe he's breathing too hard while he's cleaning up the <laughs> And yet, you know, I feel like this is part of the nature of God. That when he looks across the earth, he sees no insignificant people. You know, when he looks across your life, he sees no insignificance. He's, he's pointing out every person. He's, he's coming to every heart. He's every person in his kingdom is significant. And the fact that he would step down and make this incredible announcement to shepherds speaks something to me about this glorious nature of God. And then I want to ask this question. What is the announcement? Because if he was choosing shepherds, I guarantee you he's choosing you. I guarantee you he's choosing you. And maybe you haven't had an, an angel appear in your garden yet, but you know, I, I feel like the presence of God is speaking something into your heart of, of what could be, of what could come, of a message and a truth that your future holds that is so much bigger than your past is represented. in 1 Corinthians 1 from verse 26 it says this brothers think of what you were when you were called not many of you were wise by human standards not many were influential not many were of noble birth but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong he chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. I had a really funny experience when I first got saved. I hadn't been uh, with the Lord very long, and we went to this international presbytery. Uh, prophetic presbytery where they, all the these renowned international prophets were prophesying over some people that had been chosen and Andrew and I were chosen to go and get prophesied over and we were sitting there and they were prophesying all over these people and they were the most spectacular prophecies and right to the end they called near the end they called me forward and said we're going to prophesy over this little girl over here and they started prophesying over me and literally this is how their prophecy went God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And then there was like 15 minutes about how how bad I was, basically. <laughs> and yes, God has chosen 
me. <laughs> and, and you know, I have to be honest, while they were doing all those foolish things, you know, weak things over and over, I, mean, I, I was a little bit like, ah, it's going to get better, it's going to get better, it's going to get better. I did get better at the end. But um, what it highlighted to me is that I think there's some degree God wants you to know in the process. He wants you to know that that he chose you because he chose you. I, I think that's important to know because if he chose you because you were super awesome and you dressed really cool and you had great shoes like mine, you know, if, if, he, if he chose you, if he chose you because you had done fantastic things in business, if he chose you because you were like the perfect parent, if, you, if he chose you because, I don't know, you had a fantastic voice or something, if he chose you because of those things, then you, you've always got to keep that up. Otherwise, you know, you're in big trouble. Then you're unchosen. But God chose you because he chose you. And, and this is the important thing to know, that, that you have nothing to prove. You are chosen because you are chosen. You're chosen because not of your great goodness, not of your great excellence, not because you can make great jokes like Andrew, not because of that. That's why I chose you. It's not why God chose you. He chose you because he's good. He chose you because he chose a vessel that he could He chose you because he chose you. And, I, you know, some days, you know, every now and then, I have messed up, believe it or not. I've done something that I really regret and I wish I hadn't done it. And, you know, I, I've gone and I've sat before the Lord and I say, God, does this mean that all the promises you made for me are just null and void? You know, like nothing's come, nothing good. So, you know how you get those, uh, poor me, I'm a worm, stamp on me and see me squirm kind of moments. You know, it's just like, ah, oh, God, you know, it's all done. I'm so bad.
armies and, and really breathing fire and destruction on all of his enemies. But God's dream was so much bigger than that. God's dream was that instead of breathing fire on his enemies, he would love his enemies and they would no longer be his enemies. That he would make the whole world into his kingdom, not just Israel. And there's a scripture that exemplifies this in Isaiah 9, verse 6. It says there's the, to us, a child is born. For us, to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That God's dream, not only for those individual shepherds, but for the nation of Israel, was that he would come. He wouldn't ride in obliterating his enemies, but he would ride in bringing reconciliation between heaven. He would ride in and obliterate everything that wasn't peace in your life. That every sickness, disease, discord, relational anguish, anxiety would be obliterated by his presence. That he would he would ride in, in the power of love and transform. That concept of peace, as you've heard us say a long time, was an Old Testament concept that was so much more than just, I'm not fighting with you. That concept meant that government was right, that education was right, that everything was whole and in place, that, that there was love and reconciliation between people, but there was also joy and life in the environment. another scripture in Psalm 4 verse 7 that says this, it was, it was David and he was, he was preaching about, or he was talking about what it meant to have God in his life, the Prince of Peace reigning, and he says this, we're on slide 13 for those at the back, we have filled my heart with greater joy, sorry, you have filled my heart with greater joy than when they crane a new wine and I feel like part of this kingdom is that Jesus came to bring is, is so much more than just, you know, you having your, your wish list met. It's that at the very heart of our hearts there is joy. There is happiness. There is peace. There is satisfaction. There is significance. And David here is saying this, this joy and life that I experience in your presence is so much more than when my wine vats are full and my grain silos are full. In other words, when, when all the business is going well. It's so much more than that. Even if I had nothing, this joy was sustained. And I, you know, I, I often look at Christians and I, I want to speak to their hearts and I want to say, get happy. The end. The end of this is not, your faith signifies that the end of this is really bad. That you just have to suffer, suffer, hang on until it gets worse. But you know, I just, I just feel like that baby born in a manger came to tell you that the end is always better than the beginning. That there is always always something good coming. And I don't know where your circumstance is right now. 
I know some of your stories, and I know some of you are facing great, great challenges. But I prophesy into your heart right now that the end is better than the beginning. That there is something good happening. There is something good coming. There is glory, breakthrough, and majesty on the way beyond what you've ever asked or imagined. Don't give up. Hang on. Walk through this. Because a baby was born in a manger, and he took over the world. Baby was born in a manger and he took over the world. Jesus came to destroy the prison of faulty human expectations. Jesus came to liberate us into abundant life. John 10, verse 10 says, The thief came only to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it too. The promise. You know, when do we get to the end of that promise? Have you ever asked yourself that? When do we stop asking for more? When do we stop believing for more? When do we stop expecting better things to come? When we have life to the full. I don't know when that end is. I don't think any human being has ever seen that end. In other words, no matter how great your life is, there's always more. No matter how fantastic things are, there's still more of the glory of God to come. So what it means is that in hardship, in difficulty, but in blessing and glory, I still reach on for something that's even greater. I live in the joy of what I have, but I look forward to something that is so much more than this world has ever seen. So in conclusion, we are significant because He has chosen us. In choosing us, he has changed the outcome of our lives and of the whole world. You matter. He chose you because He chose you. And He is doing something in your life that will cause all that are around to admit that God is with you. And that is glory. Keep walking towards the prize, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Keep walking towards that prize for revival in your home, revival in your city, revival in your nation, revival in your environment, where all of the kingdom that was initiated by Jesus being born in that manger is manifested, where the fullness of life is coming to your marriage, is coming to your families, is coming to your environment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Can we give the Lord a hand? Lord. you are touching each and every heart. Lord God, Father God, we want to turn our expectation to you, Lord God. We want, to, we want to thank you for the significance of you choosing us, Lord. Lord God, uh, I, want to, I want to thank you for each person here that there is, there is something great happening in every life. Something great happening in every life. And Lord, I ask that as people would feel it, Holy Spirit, Would you let them know how you've chosen them? Would you let them see a glimpse of what you want to do in it? Lord God, I ask that you would, you would touch them with the hope of your kingdom. Lord, any place I I just sense that there's some people here and 
trying so hard to, to make my life count, but now I realize it's not really about what I do. It's more about how surrendered I am to you, how aligned I am with you, how much I've accepted you, how much I'm yielded to you, how much I'm following you, how much I'm walking in your ways. And if there's someone here and you know there needs to be a change in my life, it can no longer be about my efforts right with you, but it has to be about your efforts to reach me. And I want to surrender to you. Is there anyone here who would like to do that today, to raise your hands because I'd like to pray for you? Is there anyone here who would like to do that? Awesome. Thank you. Is there anyone else who would like to do that? Anyone else who would like to do it, to raise your hands high? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. pray this together out loud. Lord Jesus, I come to you and I surrender myself. Lord, I acknowledge that I've been doing things my own way. And Lord, I want to surrender to you. I want to acknowledge that your work was enough to make me righteous. And I receive that right now as a gift. Come and change me. Be in charge of everything. I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'm going to just because we all stand. We have two people who raised their hands. And I would I would love those two people to come forward just as a sign to say I really I really believe this and I want to I want to walk in this and I want to make this the new normal for my life. So if that's you and you raise your hand, won't you just grab your stuff, your bag or your Bible or whatever you're carrying and just come out of the aisles and come to the front. Can we give them a hand if they come to
newness and grace to them in Jesus' name, Lord God. Father God, we seal this word, Lord God. We just declare that they are born again in your kingdom and under your lordship in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord. Can we give the Lord a hand? Bless you.